Hey there, podcast listeners. Before we get into the show today, uh, our friends at Sony wanted me to tell you that they're running sweepstakes in celebration of the final three episodes of Better Call Saul. Uh, Sony Pictures Television is giving you the chance to win the ultimate prize pack. Bop, bop, uh, If you're interested, uh, you can enter the Better Call Saul sweepstakes for a chance to win a 65-inch Sony Bravia TV. I think it's Bravia. Is it Bravia? That's how I say it. Uh, a Sony Dolby Atmos soundbar. That's awesome. And a one-year subscription to AMC Plus. Also awesome. Uh, no purchase necessary. And all you have to do is go to www.bettercallsawsweepstakes.com to enter. And entries are open now. And they close on August 16th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Standard Eastern Time. Um, yeah, so that's the info about the sweepstakes. And if you're interested, go to that website. And good luck to you. And now, on with the podcast. Well, hello. Welcome back to the Better Call Saul Insider Podcast, the penultimate episode of the podcast for the penultimate episode of the series, episode 612, Waterworks. It's written and directed by Vince Gilligan. Perhaps you've heard of him. Uh, I'm Chris McCaleb. <laughs> I am one of the editors of the series, and I co-edited this episode, this very episode, in fact, with Joey Liu, and who could not be here today. Uh, but you know who could be here today? Uh, another editor you've heard of, the co-host with the co-most, uh, the creator of this podcast that you're listening to, and an editor uh, in her own right from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, and and who knows what else she's doing right now? It's Kelly Dixon. Yay! Hello. Yay. Howdy. Hello. Good to Welcome see you. Welcome back. Chris. Yeah, it's good to see you, Kel. <laughs> it's been it's been moments since yeah. we recorded the last podcast, so moments. it's. Uh, it's it's crazy. Um, it's uh, it's all coming to an end though. It's like, I mean, I don't even. I'm like waiting for thirteen. Hint, Peter. Hint, hint, hint. Waiting for thirteen to I, to see it. Can't wait. I, I have also not seen thirteen. But, so but, so we're both we're both in the dark here for the but first. But I gotta time. tell you, what's so interesting? I was gonna say this on the last podcast. Is like, in in the last one we did was uh, six ten with um uh the big heist episode um. I wrote in my notes and I wrote, this is the one show where it could go either way. And I can't guess which way, if, if the guy doesn't wake up and he's discovered, fuck. And if he does wake up, you know, it's like, it's, it's one of those, this is one of those shows where movie math does not help you at all. And, and that's what I love. That's what I love about this. So I'm just like, ah, 13, 13, 13. But it's like so exciting and thank you guys for including me because this is incredibly exciting um uh to to i guess experience this way hey. well absolutely nice. and and when when you say thank you guys i believe that you're talking uh directly to the co-creators of this show peter gould and vince gillian hey. Yes. Hey. hello <laughs> and and, hey, and yes. as 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 mentioned before uh vince also wrote and directed this episode Hooray! Double, triple hooray for me. That's right. You killed it. You're hey, doing, I you're... like that co-host with a co-most. That was uh, that was that's that was that's right. That was, that's that was Kelly. Good. That's, that's get, Kelly. Good at this, man. I like. She's it. well. It's it, it, just in time for it to be over. I'm finally getting okay at it. Um, 
and we have we have three fantastic guests today to talk about this this uh, penultimate episode of the show, which is super bittersweet. That as we start winding these down, but um, trying to let's see. I'm gonna go in the order that you're in my Zoom. Uh, let me see. She is. You've heard her on the podcast. Actually, everybody in some ways is kind of a a returning champion to the podcast. Um, you you have heard her, I believe, once before on the podcast. And she's coming to us from Europe uh, in parts unknown. And that's all we can say. And she, you, you, you hear us brag about her all the time and talk about, sing her praises on this podcast all the time. She's the costume designer of this show. It's Jennifer Bryan. Yay! Hi! Hi! Hello. How's it going? Wow. It's going great. And it's so glad to see your faces and um, get to talk about well, old times for us and new times for our viewers. They're going to be really excited. Well, mm-hmm. and we 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 really appreciate you staying up so late because it's it's uh, crazy late there. And uh, so, thank you for doing that. Um, no worries. And uh, <laughs> all right, and directly to your right, uh, she is the the keeper and the master of all things post production, and she is the executive producer of this show. It is Diane Mercer. Yes, making a triumphant return to the podcast. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming back. And uh, it's and Diane, it's it's going to be pretty much just you on this one. We're we're no. this is going to be an all post focused <laughs> podcast. Um, no, that's that's not. There's so much stuff to talk about on this one. And then and uh, and our final guest. You know, uh, you hear a lot about her, and and when you hear the term super producer, you think, well, what does that even mean? Um, but this. Next guest is not only is she a producer of Better Call Saul, she is also the producer of this podcast that you're listening to. And 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 look, it, it is a lot of work as as we've talked about. It's a labor of love. Uh, this is a free podcast in every possible way that you could say that term. But uh, it, it, this podcast wouldn't it just wouldn't happen if 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 it weren't for her her uh, her incredible effort and uh, she is producer Jen Carroll. Yes. Oh, thank you, Chris. I have a lot of jobs, but first and foremost, I think of myself as the backup sound recordist for the Better Call Saul Insider <laughs> podcast. That's correct. Since now that since Joey Reinish has been so derelict in his duties yeah. uh, and he abandoned us. Uh, no, once once we once we had to do one without Joey, and we realized like oh, or he realized anyway. Joey, we miss you. We miss you, Joey. Um, we do. But but yeah, let's let's just get right into this episode. Waterworks. Um and and uh, the the long awaited return of Kim Wexler, Yay. answering the question like where the hell is Kim? She's wearing the most. Uh, Outrageous clothes I've ever seen on the show. Every time, every time, every time I watch that opening scene, I go, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) It's a fate worse than death. Everyone was afraid she was dead. We watched it. We were watching the other day and I realized I had, I dated uh, a girl in college. This is a long time ago. And she dressed exactly like that. But that was a long time ago. And this is now. <laughs> well, it's kind of a long time ago. Yeah, they're classics. <laughs> Those are classics. Everything makes a comeback, Peter. That's a true. Little... Well, here we go. Denim skirts, <laughs> classic. 
absolutely. It, it, should, it's, well, should we start with that? Should we start with how Jennifer came up with all this stuff? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. Um, first of all, it was, you know, it was like getting a new character completely. It, I mean, so the, 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 the Kim that I helped in my world materialize and have that distinctive, distinctive look, I had to kind of the same physical body, but everything was like drained out of her. And right. so the, the concept and Pete and I, you know, and Vince, we had, we had many conversations about this. How do you get that in, in the clothing? And literally I, that's what I had to think. That was kind of what was in my head that the clothing has to look drained itself because her character as Kim Wexer, who we know as this amazing, bright, intuitive attorney was every anything but that. Stylish. And stylish, yeah. yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. St stylish on a that. budget, but stylish, yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. And so yeah. all of that just had to kind of go away and I had to start literally from the drawing board, but a completely different drawing board, a new environment and, you know, uh, America's playground, happy place, but that was the last thing she was doing there. So it, it, I remember we were looking at, you know, prints in Florida and there was like flamingos and beach balls and margaritas <laughs> with little hats and we were like, no, we can't do that. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Remember, remember how we had to kind of look at all the little tiny, um, I scaled down the prints, yeah. I dyed them, I tried to make them look um, sun bleached. And then the additional channel, channel challenge rather, was black and white. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Peter. Thanks, Vince. <laughs> yeah. Because it's not color. So did you? Yeah. Without it's, color. it's all tone yeah. and patterns for you that you had to convey. Yeah. Like, you yeah. can't just put her in beige. You had to get all of the things you would get across a toned down color palette. Exactly. You had to do it in patterns. I had to do it in patterns and textures. Yeah. And and then you know, and conversely, because I always not just think about clothes, I think about the environment. It was, I had to do, to do the opposite of what Florida is about. The sun, the sky, the beach, the happiness. And it, I just had to drain it all the way down. It was very, um, and, and you get surprises, things that you think work in color, you think they'll equally work in black and white and they don't. So it was, it was a process. What would you do? Would you take pictures of stuff that you liked and then look at it mm -hmm. and take, take do a black and white picture and, and look at it? Exactly. So what we did, I got I got the, the black and white color tonal scale from Marshall. And then on my um, iPad, which is how I usually take my fitting photos, I tried to um, calibrate that as close as I could oh, on the iPad. Smart. So I knew I would come close to how it would look, you know, um, once we started shooting. And that's kind of the palette, you know, that was sort of like ground zero where I started from. And then basically I would dye things. I would bleach things, I, uh, all kinds of techniques. I mean, I, I had a bag of tools and they to, you know, put them to use. <laughs> I love, I love all of the clothes, starting with, with uh, Ray's, with, with Kim's clothes in Florida. But I, my favorite thing of all is the shirt that uh, Alvin, uh wears uh her, her her alvin is the actor who plays uh yeah. kim's 
and it does a one he's wonderful and i love it does a wonderful job and i love that tiger shirt where did you find that tiger shirt that alvin's wearing that i found the tiger shirt at a secondhand store in albuquerque nice wow. yeah that's where it was at a secondhand store i was just like oh yeah. <laughs> so you only had the one. You only had the one of them. Only one. Oh yeah. A lot of those pieces, you know, a lot of them were were only one because a lot of them truly were vintage. They were truly uh -huh. um I scoured vintage shops. Oh wow. and um yeah. I had one scare, I think one time was it Peter, did did Kim spill something on a shirt or something? Oh. There was a little <laughs> Yeah, it was yeah. this episode. It was this episode, it was. And, and it was that the thing, the shirt that she's wearing for the whole teaser for the barbecue, which we shot over many days. And there was a tiny, tiny stain on it. And we were looking at yes. it with it in black and white, and we we're like, oh, maybe we could tuck it in a little more. And you have the best on the ground team, Jennifer. You know, Ashley Keel is the one who is doing great. Kim's wardrobe, and she was panicked yes. about it and that's what's great about the crew they're all so invested that when even there's like a tiny tiny thing wrong everybody is so nervous that it's going to ruin the show because they're they're all artists so, yes. so you you have a really yes. lovely team. truly i i really i really just had you know i had the best support i mean throughout the years throughout the whole season and so by the time you know um most of my team have been with me for most of the time some go back as far as breaking bad mm -hmm. so we have this kind of shorthand and um, I'd like to think that I basically kept a, a, a certain standard of work that they got accustomed to working at that level. And one of the key things is caring about what you do on set. So yeah, when that little uh, coffee stain or whatever it was, happened, they, it, they, they panicked because it was one of, it was a one of, which um, you're really not supposed to do that. But, um, you know, <laughs> sometimes it's so unique that's why it's unique because yeah. it's only one yeah. and, we, and we go with it. Yeah. And hope nobody drinks coffee <laughs> <laughs> or, or gets it or gets the grill on it. That could also yeah. be a danger. Oh, yeah. Man, yeah. Vince, what was the, what was the inspiration for Florida? Why is Kim in Florida? How, yeah. what, what, what inspired you to do that? And here's the thing. I, I have a question and maybe I'm a little obtuse. So if I am uh, delete this part, but I'm assuming is Kim on the run. I mean, is she in hiding? No, no, no her name, the thing. name on the door, which Peter very smartly said, you know, make sure you get a shot of her name on the door and make sure in the script that you have people calling her Kim. And there's a shot of her in her office and her, her name is she's in charge. People, you notice more what her job is, which is, you know, by the way, let me let me preface this by saying there is nothing intrinsically sad about what Kim <laughs> is doing for a living. Plenty of good people have jobs like this, and and you know they're, it, it, they it, it, that's what the country runs on. Uh, <laughs> right. So so we're not making fun of people who work in uh, you know irrigation uh, irrigation companies, or we're not making fun of Floridians. I uh, just want to preface that before people you know send me angry letters. But uh, it's it's sad it's sad for Kim that she's that she's living this life, uh, knowing that when we know that she has this amazing ability to help people. And to use her legal acumen to 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 help uh, you know folks who are deserving. You know what she's what she's done with her life, as we saw you know this season. It's just it's a tr it's a tragedy. But uh, but yeah, she works uh, in the brochures and uh, uh, catalogs department, I think. And it says right on the door, her name's Kim Wexler. So no, she's not on the run. Uh, I don't think she tells much about her past life to. Uh, 
to her uh, to her new you know her coworkers and her new friends. And and one of the great things about uh, the character of her new boyfriend, uh, played by uh, Alvin Cowan, uh, is that he just comes across as a guy that is just not going to ask her any questions. You know, so he's going to want to talk about the blooming onion they had at the Outback Steakhouse for like 30 minutes straight, but he's probably not going to ask, you know, where, where she went to college or, you know, anything like that. So. The only reason that I asked too is because, I mean, she's dyed her hair. She's just dressing so differently. Um, it's not really about where she's working. It's just that like she's doing puzzles and watching, you know, I mean, it's just so different that it just almost seems like she's in hiding. And I'm just curious about those choices. Um, and again, if I'm like just being obtuse, just because I didn't recognize the sign, let me know. I, but I'm just no, like, you're not being obtuse. I'm, ex I'm excited to see her, but I'm just like, yeah. why? She's you know, that's a, that is the big mystery. The big question, Peter, yeah, you want to okay. talk about, uh, no, it's an excellent question. Peter, you want to talk about, how we approached it in the writer's room. It was, what is, you know, we have a theory kind of for what okay. she's doing other than hiding. She's not really hiding, but she's, what do you, how, how would you describe it? I don't think she trusts herself. I mean, it, it, you know, you could say she's hiding. She's hiding from her, her, her true abilities and interests. And I, I don't think she, that's one of the, it's, it's so beautifully written. It's so fun. It's funny, but it's also sad. You know, it's, yeah. it's, do you think we should, you think, you know, this is, this is, this is almost mayonnaise. You think we should try it? And she says, well, what do you think? She can't, you know, what kind of ice cream to get? What do you think? She's, she's not trusting herself. And she's somebody who was so contained and had such a clear vision of what should be done next right. uh, in her, in her life. She was, she was always able to do that. Now she's, I, I think she's, I don't know if this, if this makes sense is, is she's, she's trying not to do any harm. And in a way, she's so focused on not doing any harm that she's not doing any good either. Uh, but I think she's haunted. She's haunted by what happened with Howard. She's haunted yeah. by her own responsibility okay. for that. And, uh, I, you know, the police aren't after them, certainly. No. And uh, the, the drug. Well, cartel, not her anyway. Not, not her. her anyway. Yeah, not yeah. her. No, absolutely not her. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. because Saul, Saul Goodman, you know, practiced uh, law quite openly for years after, after the Hamlin, the Hamlin incident. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't think anyone's after her for that. Um, uh, but she's not, not able to tell anyone about it too. You saw that, you saw that Mike, Mike made yeah. it very clear at the end of episode eight, that they were, they weren't going to say anything about this to anybody. And I don't yeah. think she does. Yeah. That's, I, that's, I don't know if that's, if that, uh, if that, that's, is that the theory pretty much as, as we that's put a, forth? That's an excellent answer. I couldn't have said it better. I would add to it that me personally, I think it's everything Peter said. And also me personally, well, you know, growing up Catholic, I guess, uh, which I'm proud of, but you know, the Catholic upbringing is one of there's a certain amount of guilt, you know, that you, that gets ingrained in you. And I think, I'm not saying that uh, Kim's character is Catholic, but I think she's, paying penance, I think, is what she's doing. Whether she realizes it or not, I think part of this not being able to form an opinion on anything uh, speaks to that. I think uh, it's, you know, she's just, you know, I don't know that she'd be home doing crossword puzzles and watching The Amazing Race. I, I think she does everything that this uh, boyfriend of hers you know, likes, and, and when he asks her an opinion, or any, when anyone asks, you know, what, what, what 
what do you think, chocolate or, or strawberry? And she says, uh, yeah, they're, they're both good. She just, yeah, it's, it's, it's not, I, I like the way Peter put it. It's not, it's being afraid to do any harm, but it's also denying herself uh, some of the things that she's so good at. You got to have an opinion if you're going to be a lawyer. You got to have a, you got to have a point of view if you're going to be a lawyer. Yeah. And if you're going to be a living human being, and she's denied herself all of that, there's a great deal of denial and, and penance, I think, going on here. What? How did we shoot in Florida? That was really crazy <laughs> to me that you guys, so did we go all the way to Florida to shoot that stuff? I wanted to, but the producers told me I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's all Albuquerque, New Mexico. That is. That's right. The uh, in a nutshell, the uh, the exterior of the uh, of the uh, Palm Coast Sprinkler Company is is uh, in a uh, it's in a business park in Albuquerque, uh, and uh, the uh, interior is the old Albuquerque uh, uh, Al Albuquerque Journal newspaper offices, and the house that uh, Kim lives in uh, is a house right right in Albuquerque, and I'm going to throw it to Diane Mercer to explain why it looks like it was Florida. Cause this is a good, this is a good story. It's amazing. How'd you find, how'd you find a, a house that backs a canal in Albuquerque? Yeah, Diane, how'd you question. do that? How'd we do that? We went to Montreal. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yes, our, um, our great VFX team uh, at Rodeo FX, uh, led by Ara Kanikian is uh, in Montreal, Canada. And um, so, we sent that we did a ton of research and you know vince has a lot of you know vince has spent time in florida and ha in this particular area where we are which is essentially um the space coast right merida yeah, yeah, space, coast. Coast. space coast yeah. so it's kind of central florida um i mean not central, central but like east, central cent coast central central, central, central east, east coast, coast florida of florida yep, exactly yeah. Yeah. um so and we did talk about going i mean you know everything was on the table um, but when we really looked at how much was going to need to be outdoors, it, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to go, uh, to go there. And we, the first thing we did actually was we tried to find actually, uh, driving plates in Florida. It, once we found the plate that we used for that, that driving scene when she's driving to work. You mean the stuff that's that, outside of the car? Yeah. The stuff, not, yeah. Not when like she, a license plate. No, no, the, the yeah, it's a shot inside the car over the over, you know, you see her eyes in the rearview mirror and she's driving through central Florida and we found this terrific plate. And once we found that, that was going to be the hardest thing to get um, because, you know, everything else we can we can make. Um, so we found the driving plate and Vince liked that Peter liked that. And and then from there, we kind of decided, you know what, it's VFX is, is the way to go. So. Uh, then the next challenge was for Christian, the location manager, to find a house that could stand in for Florida and an office that could stand in for Florida. And he found these two great, you know, the house um, is basically the house. I mean, we shot the interiors in the house yeah. and uh, the front and back of the house. Um, but then, of course, Denise Bazzini did her magic and she put those storm shutters on it and we put the palms outside and we did all those things to dress it. And then on the backyard was there's a I mean, if you see the the original dailies, it's does not look <laughs> at all like that. No. It's it's uh, there was a 
you know, a cement brick wall in, in the back, like is very, very common out in the West, you know, here in California, we have those everywhere in Albuquerque, they're everywhere. And we put green fabric up there and, um, you know, just shot a green screen and then rodeo, we sent them a bunch of research, um, you know, that Vince had looked at Jen and some, you know, the brain trust kind of found a bunch of different things and, and, and then rodeo built a, like a little 3d canal and they put the boats in there and they put the people in there and they put the houses across the way and the palm trees and all of the clouds, the clouds, cause the clouds mm -hmm. are very different in Florida. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's your kind of basic digital movie magic, but it all works. I got a question for you, Vince, uh -huh. since you directed this and, you know, it's just uh, kind of going back to my earlier days as an assistant, I remember an editor was actually talking to me about the sun um, and the light in different places. And, you know, he mentioned that the light in Florida is incredibly different. And a lot of times now I even like to watch things that are shot in Florida because mm. it's very interesting to see how much brighter and, you know, and, and he also taught me about in Los Angeles, uh, shooting in the winter is a very different kind of light than shooting in the summer in Los Angeles because our sun um, uh, sits lower in the sky in the winter. So, but you had the situation where you're shooting Florida, you're shooting Albuquerque for, you're shooting Florida for Albuquerque, but now you're shooting in black and white. Mm -hmm. So how are you doing? And in with, winter. Yeah. Okay. By the way, it was, it was cold. cold. It was freezing they're, cold. The they're having this party and they're looking like, oh, it's warm and they're drinking wine coolers. And it was really I cold. I never would have thought that. Yeah. Well. Yeah. You could see <laughs> their You've breath. done that before. You've done that before because yeah. I remember Mike, Mike Slovis at one point was like bundled up when Jesse and Walter out there in the desert or yeah. something. And oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. but, but I'm just wondering how, I mean, we talked to Jennifer about the black and white. How did that affect you with the black and white you're shooting? And, for different locations? Well, I, I, I'm not being facetious when I say it, it didn't really affect me personally so much. It affected our, our amazing director of photography, uh, Paul Donicky. It, uh, you know, we, we, we looked at photos of Florida, the real place. And then I just basically said, you know, make, make it look like Florida. And then I went away and had a hot dog. So, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not another uh, mayonnaise sandwich. But did you notice, <laughs> did you notice like in the day, did he put one of those big gigantic balloons up or something? And I mean, no. was there, was, did you, you know, notice like a different kind of lighting situation? By, or? by the way, you bring up an interesting point. I wish I had, I wish I had another lifetime or at least a, another 15 years, you know, we've been doing this to go back and just be a fly on the wall in the set and watch you know, not have to think about the, the job at hand, the show at hand, just watch, for instance, you know, the lights that Steve Latecki is putting up and, and uh, you know, as, as you know, when he's there working, Steve, by the way, the, 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 the Iron Man, you know, that the, our, our chief lighting technician who dates back, you know, however many uh, directors of photography, you know, all the way back to the beginnings of Breaking Bad and I, I should have watched I should have watched more closely all the stuff they were doing because I would have learned an awful lot from it, but I just didn't have the bandwidth. But I, I think we've been carrying Peter. Peter should talk about this. Peter knows this stuff better than I do. Peter, wouldn't you say, uh, I think in general, we're carrying, we, I say we, at present tense, this is all in the past tense now, sadly, but we were carrying a lot fewer and employing a lot fewer lights the last 
several seasons or so because the uh, the digital cameras capture light so much more efficiently than the old film camera. You needed more light with the old film cameras. I remember much bigger lighting instruments back in the day, even back at the beginning of Breaking Bad, wouldn't you? Now everything's LED too, which doesn't put out heat. It's amazing technology. What, what do you think about that, Peter? I think that, yeah, every everything you just said is exactly right. The other thing that, that both of our directors of photography and the whole crew is so aware of where the sun is going to be. Uh, and I think that that's some, one of the things mm. that makes it feel so hot in that scene for me is especially that low angle up on all the, uh, that you guys shot with the, the, the guys gathered around the grill and there's the sun kind of battering right down, right in the frame. And then there's a big palm tree, palm frond there that, 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 you know, and you're right, Kelly, that light is different everywhere, but I will also say. I'm also, I'm an old movie lover and, you know, they used to, Casablanca was made, you know, made in Burbank. And uh, so I think there's, you know, there's a lot to be said for, uh, for, for taking uh, your world and making it, making it. Uh, and that's, we were able to do that for this, this, this sequence. And I, I think it's really effective. And, and by the way, the other thing, of course, is the actors, because uh, the cast you know, just like in Casablanca, the thing that they, they didn't have the advantage of shooting in Casablanca, but they had all those great European actors. And uh, Vince has such a great sense for the world that these that uh, Kim has entered here. Uh, and I, it's just, it makes me laugh every time I see it. I'm laughing at Sadway, because also it's a, one of those barbecues where the, the women and the men have kind of self-segregated. And it just tells you, it tells you everything it doesn't, and I don't think it's about Florida necessarily. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but it's so different from the world where she and Jimmy were sort of joined at the hip and, and had such intimacy with each other. I, I, I don't think when you see, if you saw Jimmy and Kim at a party, I think most of the time you'd probably see them together, not on opposite sides of the room. And uh, I don't know, just those little, those, those are the details that make it feel like a different world as much as, as the light, but, but absolutely the light's a huge part of it, without a question. And and, and to answer an earlier question, I never answered uh, uh, Kelly and and uh, Chris. Yeah, I I grew up uh, uh, well, not in Florida. I, I grew up in Virginia, but we would travel to Florida whenever we could to visit. Uh, well, I had I had family down there. My uh, my uh, mom's mother and father, my my grandparents uh, lived in Jacksonville uh for for quite a while after they moved from richmond and then i had my uncle bubby was down in uh cocoa beach was uh, that's how i know that area merritt island and whatnot that's what we called him uncle bubby but it was the uh had two <clears throat> brothers the mcclannan uh, there were two brothers the mcclannan brothers are identical twins and they were naval aviators in world war ii and uh uh they they were the uncle they both were called uncle bubby by the family uh and uh one of the uncle bubbies uh, passed away in 1959 in a helicopter crash flying for the navy but the other one the one i knew uh wound up working for uh, nasa wound up working on the uh on the apollo program and lived you know within sight of where the launches Whoa, would wow. happen oh. so that that's that was it was fun uh not growing up down there but spending time down there every every couple of summers so I got to know that area a little bit, not as well as I would have liked, but that's why I think I uh, 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 said it there. Uh, also, I think, Peter, the idea was just that she should go someplace within the, the lower 48, but that was as different from Albuquerque as possible. I think that was the starting point, right? I think that's, that's absolutely right.
Wow. In this episode, I mean, we're, I'm going to be incredibly remiss if we don't talk about fucking so many things, but <laughs> um, um, at, at one point, um, like we see that Jimmy's, we see her side of the phone call that we had in the previous episode. And she's basically like, I mean, it's funny because in the previous episode, he's having a fit on the phone and you're like, what is she saying? Right. And in this one, she's very, very silent. Um, but she tells him that he should turn himself in. And um, then she, he says, it's been six years. Uh, it's been six years. And I'm like, and, and I wrote these question marks, like six years since what? Six years since the last time we saw her in his office when they signed the divorce papers, six years since. And I was just curious um, because you, it's, it seems you guys have made a lot of decisions about things in this episode. And I'm just like, you know, asking questions is like, uh, okay, wait, what, what? That's uh, Jen, you should, you should, uh, you could talk, we could probably do a whole podcast just about the timeline of, of oh, not don't just do this that. show, but, <laughs> yeah. no, no, but, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, but, but Jen, you should take that because I, I, I always deferred to you and, and to Ariel, who's a genius at this, right? And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, uh, Kathleen, right? Uh, who, you, you know, talk about that a little bit. Yeah. And, and I... Jen, before, but, but Jen, before you get into it, if you want to hear a little bit more about the, the, uh, the keeping of the calendar and the keeping of the, the, uh, the chronology of the show, you can go back and listen to one of our bonus episodes. I think it was the fifth bonus episode with the Brain Trust. And, uh, they did, Kathleen was on there and, and, um, and you know the, the a lot of the the most the amazing you know writers assistants and and um, people who work in in Burbank uh, to keep everything uh, keep everything moving. Anyways, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I just wanted to give a give a plug for the podcast you're already listening to. Good, good, good point. Good point, Chris. I ha- I actually haven't heard that one yet. I want to listen to that it's, one myself. It's, it's great. It's a great conversation. It's great. Yeah, that's nice. exactly what I was going to say too. Is that we have a lot of people who are the keepers of this information, and there's a lot of institutional memory. You know, yeah. all the way from, from Melissa Bernstein. You know, all the way through. There's there's a lot of people who keep track of these things and worry about them from our props department, always knowing exactly what year it is by what license plate stickers to put on, what right yeah. down to the month. And like Chris was saying, the person who is in charge of all that is Kathleen uh, Williams, who keeps, who is our script coordinator, who has been for a long time keeping a story calendar, running the entire yes. length of the show. So we always know what day of the week it is, you know. From and and it's very mm-hmm. different than what we did on Breaking Bad because on Breaking Bad we were in the eternal present, which was lovely. <laughs> but unfortunately, mm-hmm. on this show, when we switch from film to HD cameras, you can see every mm-hmm. single date on a newspaper that an extra is holding, or you know, on a ch- we, we actually had to set the date of the show because of a shot in the pilot where Jimmy puts the the check that he he's getting paid seven hundred dollars for the the right. the three right. you know knuckleheads and it has a date on it and there was like oh no we can't not see the date so we were just going to set our flag you know in the sand then and we kept it going for years we're on day you know five thousand and sixteen in our story calendar now thanks to thanks to Ariel and Kathleen and the many folks before them who've been keeping track. But the, in the six years, that is a reference because I am the worst at this. If yes. this was left up to me, it'd be just such a train wreck. But yeah. I mean, but it's this, late 2010 in Kim's late, worlds, late yeah. 2010. So six years after the because okay. uh, I was like, breakup. has he been has he been in Omaha for six? That's what at first. I was no, like, no, it's it's they broke up. 
right. in episode 609. That was 609 was six years prior, right? Yeah, okay. it was 2004. So it's yeah. been six years since okay. they've spoken. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Um, is this the first time that we've done, I say we as if I'm actually still there, but I kind of feel like I'm sort of there. Is this the first time that we've actually done like a two-parter to be continued episode? They're all to be continued episodes. Well, no, aren't they? but but you basically at 611 <laughs> you left right at he, as he bangs in the door and then you pick it back up. Uh, you know, well, bangs the window well, out 608? of 608. I mean 608. Yeah, okay. the 608 okay. picks right up at the end of uh 607. Yeah. It's <laughs> very Gil it's very it's very Gilligan-esque that the each episode picks up moments after the previous one. Yes. Uh, that's that, that felt I that was something I, uh, I just felt like it, with this one it was like we were waiting for the next thing and it was like nope we're blacking out and waiting good that's next week. So that's I, that's what I'm hoping I'm hoping everyone has that reaction make people I, wait for what they want to see that's, that's a good right. philosophy seriously good storytelling yeah. philosophy yeah I really love that the sort of the the melding of the worlds that have that we've created now with Better Call Saul with the worlds of Breaking Bad and I think nothing encapsulates that better for me more than Jimmy or Saul. Jimmy, he's always Jimmy to me, even yeah, when he's Jimmy. Even too. when I write the notes. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. gonna be weird looking watching Breaking Bad again because I'll be like, hey, it's Jimmy. Yeah. Uh, why is he? Why does he call himself Jimmy? Um, but uh, when he's th when he's doing the 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 um, dancing the ball. Yeah, ball. yeah. That you know that we that we hit so hard and really like made such a big thing when he was working at the at the uh the, the cell Mobile. phone store yeah 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 i just love that i love that i love bringing all that stuff together and and i just I, I don't know. Yeah, well, this I gotta, is that's not a question where just... it all merges right because we actually sure. have one character from this show crossing with a character from the other show yeah that's right for the first and i guess only time well, that's right. No, yeah. it was like six. Didn't we do it in six eleven? Yeah, well, but, no, but, but that Kim, was that was Kim not. And, but Kim and Jesse and yeah. Jesse. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, I see. For both. Right? Okay. So yeah. yeah, obviously we brought you know the Breaking Bad world back in episode eleven, and we did it here. But we're now seeing we're seeing the Breaking Bad world from the Saul side, right? Because yeah. we're seeing yeah. it through Kim's eyes. Yeah. And I will say when Francesca says calls him Saul in the teaser, it like freaks me the hell out. It's really <laughs> weird when she calls him Saul. I'm like, yeah. who's she talking to? Oh, <laughs> um, I want to talk about. Oh, go oh, ahead. No. OK, I was just going to ask um, and maybe you uh, talked about it in episode 11, but um, I was going to ask what. Can you talk to us a little bit about the deci those decisions that you guys sat down with to bring those to bring Walt and Jesse back, and especially for this episode because Jesse has a long scene with Kim outside in the rain. Peter, don't you think we would have been run out of town on a rail if we had let this whole show go by <laughs> yeah. without Walt and Jesse on it? We would have well, been murdered. You know, if, if if Aaron and Brian hadn't been up for it, uh, we might have ended up getting run out of a on a rail town on a rail. <laughs> it was. Um, yeah, I think we might have talked about this a little bit in the in the previous podcast, but um, did, there were yeah. there were a number of you know we knew that we had this uh, these interesting parallel time periods to work with. You know, we knew that you know that we had we had you know the the, uh, the era that we've been in up to now, and then we've been we've also have the black and white era where we're in Omaha, and then we also know that we have 
Breaking Bad. And so we, we, we tried a number of different, we had a lot of different ideas. Uh, and then uh, one of them we always called Running Between the Raindrops. And I think that's the one that really came up in the previous episode where, you know, was the Breaking Bad of it was kind of woven together. This one is, this one is, is such a surprise to me every time I see the scene because you have this incredibly heartrending scene between Jimmy and Kim or Saul, as he is now Saul, and he's so hurt and he's so nasty to her. And then she walks out and, oh my God, there's Jesse Pinkman. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, um, it's, it feels very different from uh, the, the, the flashbacks or the flash horizontals that we had in the previous episode where they were kind of freestanding. This one really, it, it's what Diane says. It's a sequence that starts out really about Kim and Jimmy, and then it ends up being about Kim and, uh, and Jesse Pinkman, two people, you know, Kim's already had her life ruined. Uh, and Jesse's, Jesse's going to have his life ruined very soon. Yeah. Well, it was such a nice colliding. touch to have it that she, you know, represented combo. Like, I love that. Yeah. Feet, yeah. You yes. know? Like, yeah. like that, 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 that the worlds did sort of like cross a little yes. bit without just off Wait. camera that we don't know about. I thought that I want to see that. I thought I know. Is it not Emilio? I thought it was Emilio. Well, no, no. Emilio is going in to see Saul. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, Jesse okay. says to her, oh, hey, I, I I think I know you. You you, you represent oh, yeah. my buddy Combo. Oh, yeah. Right. Yes. Uh, yeah. And this is the youngest we've ever seen Jesse Pinkman, too. And Jennifer made him look so good. Yes, yeah, I want to hear from Jennifer. Yeah, I want to hear from Jennifer. Did you go back in the yeah. vault to get all that stuff? Man, this, it was so, I was so excited, you know, that, that, he, that he was coming back. And he just embraced the whole idea, you know, of going back to that, which is which is really says a lot about him as a, as a person. You know, years later, his you know his career has moved on and da 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 da. But he just came back to home base, just slid in there, and it was just as fun as my time on Breaking Bad. I mean, he just like once I got him in the baggy jeans. And that ridiculous jacket, his whole, his, his, you know, his walk and the hat, and the hat. just the changed. Voice, he like, Rrr. And he just, he just put on the whole mantle of it. His whole body language changed. It was, yeah. it was awesome. So great. That awesome. was so much fun. And That's awesome. that, that was, that was the first thing we shot that scene. We shot that well over a year ago and long before months before uh, we shot any of the other scenes literally months right. before because because we had an availability issue we knew mm -hmm. we were going to have with with Aaron because he was oh, going to okay. go off and, and do other other shows and other yeah. projects and he had such a migraine that night it was that rain uh, artificial rain that looks great that uh, Werner Handline and his crew created for us but it is no fun to shoot in because it's like being in a real rainstorm was pissing down rain on your head for nine hours straight but uh between the rain and these terrible clove cigarettes that I, you know, I, I wrote it, you know, they have these two sharing a, you know, having a smoke together and, and, you know, I feel guilty every time I write a smoking scene, but it just, you know, there's nothing that looks cooler. I'm sorry. That's just the truth. <laughs> <laughs> it looks cooler. You know, there's a reason, one, yet another reason the film noirs still hold up, I think, uh, other than the great storytelling and the great acting. But, he was smoking these clove cigarettes and he had a migraine okay. and he was, yeah. Remember, you remember Jennifer, he was such a trooper. Yes, he was. Yeah. 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 Just, just 
man, he's just a, a gem to work with. And, and, and Brian, you know, just a little off camera thing, you know, remember you guys had them kind of sequestered because they had to kind of sneak into Albuquerque. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask that. Did they yeah. have to sneak them in just yep. like they did on El Camino? Yes, they were. You know, mm -hmm. Melissa did one of her, you know, amazing things. I mean, they came in on a deep undercover and then mm -hmm. they were like sequestered in this house. Um, and they went to, had to, so they couldn't come to the studio to do the fitting. So I went to, to the um, house that they were sharing. And it was, I remember Aaron was like, I want, Jen, I wonder what would happen if I would just like cross the street, go out and run across the street and then run back in. I said, you can't do that. <laughs> and it was just like, uh, you know, it was, it was pretty awesome. He just, the two of them. And, and to watch them off camera, just to see that, that friendship, you know, that came out of a, a job that has just gone on to something else that is just so deep. It was really wonderful to see two guys have really become really good friends and then come back into the world where they met each other mm -hmm. as actors and as people. It was, um, it was pretty cool to just watch them, you know, engage with, with each other again. Yeah. And that was stuff I, I, that was when I started, cause you, you shot that stuff, Vince, before I even started on the show. In fact, I was in Albuquerque when working with Michael Morris on uh, on the movie To Leslie when when you shot that stuff. And, God, uh, yeah, yeah, was, it, it seems like a long time ago. Well, <laughs> it seems good, it like because it was a long time. Ago. It was. Yeah. It was. <laughs> That's crazy. Crazy. So crazy. It was right, crazy right. The pandemic was new. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. Oh was, man, the, the early. Salad days of the pandemic. That's right. Ah. Uh, uh. Jen, Carol, and mm -hmm. and Vince, talk talk a little bit about sort of the way that you guys work together on set, because I, I think it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty unique process, and I think it's worth talking. About. I think that's a great idea. Jen tells me what to do, <laughs> whine and complain a little bit, and then I, I basically do it, and then uh, and then you know I look good for it. So. Oh. No, I, I feel very lucky because I do. I work for Vince. I'm Vince's creative executive at his company, but I'm also a producer on the show. And so what that means I get to follow Vince around to a lot of really fun places, you know, so I get to be in the writer's room and, you know, work with Peter within the about like our schedule and I get to support our support staff. And, and this year I ran the, the virtual boards. And then when Vince is directing, which he did quite a bit this season, we go out to, to Albuquerque together and and we prep with Melissa and then we're on set with Trina. And so I work really closely with our, you know, our first AD this year was Angie for all the episodes and Paul Donaghy for all of the the um, directing of the photography. And so Vince, as we've talked about many, many times on this podcast, does this amazing, amazing director's homework that is a plan for the day of every shot we're going to get that so that he can focus on performances on the day. And so I take that homework, I'm usually the first person to read it. And I send it out, you know, with with the help of Vince's assistant, Melissa, I send it out to the crew, and then flag for them like, Oh, you know, we didn't talk about this in prep, but we're going to need this special crane for for shot B. And you know, we're, you know, props, by the way, we're going to need this extra bag of diamonds for, you know, for shot D, and make sure that everybody knows if there's anything that didn't come up during prep, that we're gonna need on the day. We gotta cut, you know, a hole. If, if, if I need, you know, Werner and Bob House to cut a hole in the back of a fridge so that we can put a camera back there, you know, because mm -hmm. Vince had this idea of a really cool shot. We just make sure it's all there on the day. And then, and then you know, 
Angie and Paul and I would look at the homework and luckily we have amazing first ADs who come up with a plan yeah. of exactly how we're going to do the shots and Angie more than probably any first lady I've ever worked with before would tell me exactly what 45 minutes during the day we were going to shoot any particular shot and then we would just execute that plan and so sometimes you know Paul would be shoot setting up something with Matt a camera and he'd ask me like oh can you go have Jordan or Wally look at shot D because Vince also would take a lot of pictures as we were setting up and we've done this for years. I think I, I've been on set with Vince for maybe 10 or 11 episodes now, plus all of yeah. El Camino. And this is yeah. our what we do every day, which is just we, we have the homework, we've done the prep, and then we just execute it as efficiently as possible. <laughs> and yeah. and so and I think it's it's been a lot of fun. And then, you know, because Vince is the, the kind of guy he is, because Peter is the kind of guy he is, I get to sit in editing. So for all of these episodes, I'll, I'll follow it into post-production. I get to work with handsome people like Skip McDonald and, and Chris and Joey on these episodes and, and for the every stage of the cut and all the way through the mix. And we're, you know, we're very close to being done with this episode we're talking about now. We're mixing it this this week. It's, you know, in pre-dub right now. So. That's right. It, it's, Jen is, I, I always make some dumb joke, but Jen is, I, I don't know how I uh, would have gotten through this year, me personally, without Jen. She's an amazing producer and she keeps me honest and keeps and and she, I mean that's just I'm talking about me but I mean I, she is a wonderful producer in the show as is Diane I don't know how we do the show without and I and everybody on this on this on this uh podcast uh, you know I don't know how we'd have do the show without Jennifer I don't know how we do it without Jen I don't know how we'd do it without Diane and uh and Chris you edited the hell out of this thing you did a great oh, great with job Joey Lou Joey Joey Lou and, and Joey and I'm sorry and uh, Joey, yeah. Joey Lou who is always working his butt off and yes, uh, uh, and does a great job. Yes, Joey Lou and you edited this thing and you guys did a tremendous job. Well, thank you. Um, but also, I to, to actually, what you just said made me think about the fact and the fact that Jennifer Bryan, you know who Joey Lou is because yes. he started his life out in uh, in in Albuquerque. Yes, he did. And, yeah. uh, at least on Breaking Bad. And, and you know, Jen, uh, Carol... What was your first job? We may have talked about this in the podcast, but I don't remember. Um, what was your first job on Breaking Bad, like your first title? Oh, I am happy to talk about it because I was hired by Miss Diane Mercer, the greatest of all super producers and, you know, who I have, I have refused to let go of <laughs> ever since as as a post PA, like so many of the wonderful uh, support staff on the show. I started as a post PA first back in Breaking Bad season four. Yeah, I think it's it's pretty cool to see how some of, you know, some of us, you know, Jen, Melissa, mm -hmm. um, through the years from Breaking Bad, the, the alumni, how we have grown into into different positions. And um, I think it's I think it's a testament to, to Vince and Peter, you know, and especially for us as women to see um, some some movement and some elevation. So, gentlemen, thank you for doing that to <laughs> Those of us who have um, benefited from it. even me, even as a costume designer, I know that my my responsibility over the years got to be a little bit beyond that, and it's because of you guys. You guys trusted us. Well, it's easy, awesome. Easy to trust you guys because you folks because uh, uh, you're all storytellers. That's a big part of it. Aside from the talent and the enthusiasm and the hard work. Uh, all of you understand uh, storytelling. Paul Donicky too, uh, is the director mm -hmm. of photography. It's, it, it, all of our excellent 
folks who made themselves indispensable on on both these shows for 15 years had a had uh, for anyone who wants to get into this business uh uh enthusiasm talent hard work all of those things are super important just just like you would expect them to be positive attitude which buoys me up personally all joking aside i'm not the most positive person in the world and being around jen for instance is is a is a has a has a salutary effect is that the right word it has a it's like a tonic it it helps uh, it helps me because uh you know i'm i'm uh, you know her her positivity and peter before that you know when you were one of the writer producers of breaking bad you were always the guy in the writer's room who peter's line was good things are great things are (laughs) happening and but it really helped me get through a lot of bad days that positivity so all those things are important but i got off on a tangent storytelling being a storyteller as a costume designer for instance jennifer you are you are looking at clothes you're designing clothes you're you're, you're uh, procuring them uh copies of them you, you got there's a lot of meat and potatoes logistical stuff you got to do but talk about and this is a good example when it comes to cinematography, for instance. It's a good example when it comes to producing what uh, what what Diane and, and Jen do. But just just to narrow it down as an example, costuming. Talk about because you are a storyteller. Uh, Jen, yeah, you know, you know, you know, Vince. I didn't I didn't realize that I was. If you know, because you know, um, you you get a script and you know that. Um, you can't have them naked. You got to get some clothes on them. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so that, that, that becomes like the first, the first practical thought. But there's, there is things behind that. I mean, even as we're talking about the uniqueness of, six, of 612, that I had to put story into what I was doing. And over the years, I've learned that so well, I think. And from working with you guys, who is really like the epitome of storytellers, it's by osmosis. It, some of it got on me, you know? And I started, it did, it did in a good way. And I started to, to, to think beyond, beyond the fabric, thinking beyond the fabric, thinking what, it's it's deeper and literally you know what i i do now and I'm, I'm doing it on the project that i'm on now is that i'm not a director but i shoot it in my head mm-hmm. i actually have found that i have developed that and it makes it it makes my workflow so much better and make things make sense i mean we think about the very 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 first time when we came back and Remember it, um, Peter and Vince, when we were talking about the first episode and season of Better Call, Better Call Saul, how to dress Jimmy, because we were re- we had to reverse engineer him from mm-hmm. being this peacock dandy showy guy to how does how does he start from from whatever it is he's going to start off in season one, episode one, Better Call Saul to the flashy guy that we seen several years later. Yeah. And that was a storytelling point, you know, about let's pick brown because that, and we went with the brown suits. <laughs> well, uh, unless they're wearing a uniform, clothes are probably the most 
personal thing, clothes, hairstyle, you know, clothes yes. are the very most. So if you don't understand character, then how the fuck are you going to dress exactly. all these different people? I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. that's basically it. And, you know, on the last podcast, we talked a little bit with Michelle McLaren on, on 610, actually. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I said something like, you know, I always ask directors, what do you see in your head? I mean, we need to know those things. And, you know, even when I'm asking you guys, um, mostly because I'm interested incredibly, especially not being there and not having read scripts, but, you know, I'm always very fascinated from the writer's aspect. How did you, you know, what were you thinking? How did you guys come up with this? You know, you know, what was your process on this? Because it informs every single bit. I know that, you know, on things that I've been on, um, I've asked, you know, questions narratively, and sometimes I just get blank looks, like either, why would you ask that? Or how should I know? And that is always very disconcerting to me, because I'm like, well, fuck, if you don't know, then how the fuck am I supposed to know? But uh, anyway, sorry, I just, you know, was, was uh, wanting to mention that, because yeah, from your aspect, you know, clothes are personal, incredibly yeah, personal. personal incredibly and it tells so much about so much about the character so yeah cost, good costume designers who can really grasp what what they're doing and what they're basically mandated to do they really without even realizing it have to have storytelling skills you have absolutely. to have absolutely you really really do really do my favorite of all, I've, we've told this story before because it delights me so much. It bears repeating. One of my the favorite things you ever did for us, Jennifer, is uh, in the big, as you were talking about, the, the uh, clothes as character mm -hmm. and explaining character through clothes and the delineation of character as storytelling. The finest example, uh, the, the pop, my favorite example, there's many fine examples. The one that pops into my head is you had you had Jimmy uh, at his poorest and least successful in the pilot in the first season of Better Call Saul, wearing these loafers with yeah. the uh, with the little yes. brass buckle, and you, it was your idea to break the buckle on one of them and hold it together with a paper clip. Paper clip, really. And it is it it tickles me. It makes me smile every time I think about it. There's one shot in one episode when he's making uh, Betsy Kettleman cry after after uh, uh, Mike has broken into the Kettleman's house to steal mm -hmm. the money back. There's one shot where you can kind of make yeah. it out. But I it's to my eternal regret that I didn't get a specific shot designed to show that off uh, in one mm -hmm. in one of those episodes. I, I kind of dropped the ball on that. But I in a, but you in knew a, it was there. You yeah, knew I knew it was, it was there. And the, yeah. and the actor and, and Bob Odenkirk knew it was there. And that is an example of, I wish I had made more of an, I wish I had made an effort to, to specifically show it to the audience, but in a way it kind of doesn't matter because the actor had it on his foot. He looked every time he looked down at his lines at his sides, he saw that thing on his shoe and it, it helped, it helped him understand yes. and realize who he was playing, who his character was. It was, that's a great example. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, hey guys, can I, before we end this podcast, I mean, this is like really serious, like deep dive, but you know, when we first started um, Better Call Saul, I remember a lot of our talk in the office, Diane, Jen, you might remember this too, is like, we all are like, well, damn, who is Kim? And she's not in Breaking Bad. So, mm. you know, she must, you know, die or something. And, you know, at, through the years, I always felt like, 
Kim was not dead. I, in fact, with Chris, I would always say, we don't know. She might be around yeah. Breaking Bad. We just don't know. Um, you know, but, um, but even now I just finished working with Deborah Chow and Deborah Chow is like, I, I just want to know what happens to Kim. I, I really, <laughs> really want to know, like, it's, you know, what's going to happen to Kim. Um, and, you know, so I'm just curious, can you guys talk a little bit? I know this is the penultimate, um, but can you guys talk a little bit about what your plan was to come up to this part and what was going to happen with Kim? And, and I'm not asking for more. I'm just saying she ain't dead yet. So, you know, what, what was your thought as far as Kim? Peter Gould kept saying for the entire season, I'm glad you asked this, because he kept saying, we got to kill off Kim Wexler. we got to kill off Kim Wexler. And I, and I said, no, Peter. She's so, she's so annoying. He said it every season, at the end yeah. of every season, he'd be like, next year's the year. we got to yeah. get rid of Kim. I got, I got my <laughs> definitely I'm not cleaning, cleaning the gun, getting ready. Yeah, uh, yeah. Now, Peter, talk about, uh, talk about uh, obviously, that. No, none of us. None of us. Obviously, I'm joking. Peter, talk about yeah. Talk about how that came to pass. What 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 became of her? Yeah. I think we were very interested. You know, because this starts off and it's about Jimmy McGill, right? And Jimmy, why does he become Saul Goodman? What does that mean? And as we move forward, we realize that that Saul comes out of uh, loss and pain and anger. And also avoiding responsibility in some ways. You know, he's yeah. hiding out in a weird way. He's hiding out as Saul Goodman. And it, it only made sense that Kim, who's somebody who, you know, has a lot of the same uh, issues that Jimmy does, really. You know, she, she loves to scam and she loves, she's, she loves to take the shortest distance between two points. But that what happens this season um, actually she faces it and maybe she takes it. Maybe you could argue that she shouldn't have hit her light under a bushel, but she's, she's not pretending it didn't happen the way Saul did. Saul, Saul's kind of saying, is he saying, oh, it's all water off the water off the back of a duck. Yeah, but she's, she's, she's taking it to heart. And as i uh, I'm not Catholic, but uh, I'm also driven by guilt. Uh, and, and, and I, I think, I think that was, that was, our, and I, as I think the die was really cast uh, last season when she, you know, Jimmy wanted to, you could see Jimmy was getting ready to break up and she said, let's, let's do a bigger scam. And that's happened a few times, but this was the biggest one. Let's, let's scam Howard and get and do good while doing a scam. And I think that she made a couple of choices that we wanted to see her live with. And especially when Mike tells her that Lala's still alive. Uh, and and I, I think that's, that leads to maybe, you know, one of the most heartbreaking scenes I've ever seen when she explains herself to Jimmy yeah. in episode nine. So it's, it's like, what are, you know, what are the repercussions of this? And it's, it's, you know, dying is sort of letting the character off easy <laughs> in a weird way is what do you do? What do you do when you live? What do you, what do you do with the time that you have here? And that was, that was what was fascinating to us. And uh, Jimmy and Kim both run away in their own ways, but, um, I think she's she's being more honest with herself about what's what's happened, and uh, she's making she's making a kind of progress that Jimmy hasn't made. The, to me, that's that leads straight to that that unbelievable scene uh, that we haven't talked about in this episode, yeah, where she where she where she talks to Cheryl and she holds it together yeah. with Cheryl. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she gets on that that bus, which is is uh, I, you know 
it's, I mean, just holding on Ray the way you did, Vince, uh, and, 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 and just had letting that moment play out, this person who's held it together for so long and we know is so capable of holding it together. And the way Ray breaks in that moment, it's just, uh, I mean, it's, it's an amazing, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's more amazing to me than, than, than watching, uh, watching, watching an army coming over a ridge. It's just, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, I'm never going to forget that moment that you, that, that, that plays out so beautifully there. Her uh, performance is not, so extraordinary. That's Jeez, I don't know so if that's really out. answering the question, Kelly, but that's where I got to while I was trying to answer your question. No, no, I, I appreciate any thought that you guys can give because, I mean, in every conversation probably that I've ever had with anyone about Better Call Saul, Kim always comes up. And Isn't that the greatest? Always, yeah. What a compliment. I always want to know. You know, well, she's not in Breaking Bad. And I'm like, I don't, I mean, Chris and I used to talk about my, like, I don't think she's dead. I, we don't know about her, but, you know, I always I hope she wasn't dead. Yeah, I'm well, there's always Kim next week, way. guys. Well, yeah. well, you know, <laughs> but, you know, Kelly, one more. Yeah, Kelly, I think one more. I think you're exactly, exactly right. Uh, and that was one of the reasons why we were willing to give up the secret of uh, Brian and Aaron coming back. Because in a weird way, I didn't feel I, I don't think we felt that that was the biggest twist of this of the season. I think we've been we've been much more careful about what happens to Kim uh, because I don't think it was a big revelation that maybe maybe you'd see Walt and Jesse again before it all before it's all over. But uh, what happens to her to me is is uh, is, yeah. is is truly it's it's it, it breaks my heart and I, I it breaks my heart, but it also elevates it in a way. And I think I I just I just love I love what what happens with her and I, I love the way Vince wrote and directed this episode in particular. And of course, Ray Seahorn's pretty damn good. She's pretty damn it's, she's awesome. incredible. When I watched this, it was like, I think it was last weekend or maybe, you know, something like that. And I remember it was late at night and I texted Chris and I was like, okay, so she just gave up all those guys in that affidavit. And I had to really think about it. The next morning, it was on my mind, I guess, as I went to bed. The next morning, I'm, I woke up and I go, wait a minute, Kel, this is past Breaking Bad time. All those guys are dead. Yeah, right? and yeah. I texted him that morning. I'm like, oh yeah, I kind of forgot because when you're reading that like affidavit, I'm like, oh fuck, she gave away Mike, she gave away Frank, she gave away oh my god. But then I'm like, oh Kel, they're, they're all dead, you know. And, and, <laughs> yeah. and she says that in the fucking episode. I just mm -hmm. totally wasn't, you know, because I was so enthralled with the choice that she made, the performance that she was given. I mean, it was really incredibly good. I mean, just exquisite and you know so now and and she tells cheryl you know it's up to the da if the da is gonna bother to prosecute but at least she got to you know i guess give up you know all of her knowledge and you know put it out there you know i hope she's it, taking the baby own... steps back to her life yeah. I mean, she's exactly. still protecting yeah. jimmy though she doesn't she say she she yeah. does not mention yeah. that she talked to him yeah. uh, or, or right. anything like that. And, so there's, and, and, there's that. and yeah. And but she does tell him she, he, she, he needs to give himself. That's he needs true. To, she does. But know. speaking of performances and of Jimmy, like we, we, we got, and I know we'll run out of time like we always do, but <laughs> we, we got, we've got to talk about that. J Jimmy, Gene, he gets to a point in this episode where he's, he's going to kill a guy. I mean, he's, yeah. he's ready to kill a guy to, to 
to get out of this situation that was, by the way, completely avoidable. Yeah. Had he, had he <laughs> just so left. He, got, he, got, too he had happy a in there. Yeah. He got too because happy in there. I, I, my, the way I view it is, is, is an, I mean, I don't know how you view it, but I feel like he, he needed to get caught. He wanted to get caught. He, he wanted, he was so, he's so reckless about this. It's, it's, it's so unlike him. And, and it, and it, it's just like every moment he's in there, you're just like, get the fuck Buck out, out of there, there, dude. Yeah. Get out of there. Yeah. What are you yeah. doing? You're going upstairs in this weird place. <laughs> and, 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 you know, he, he had a plan and he didn't stick to his own plan. And he didn't follow his own rules and it and he and he, and he burned himself. And I I just I don't know. I I and then at the end, I when he's he's with Marion, yeah. with Carol Burnett. Yeah. Yeah. I mean he's Ooh. he's got the fucking he's like yeah. I was is he gonna strangle him? Like, yeah, you know? it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. I and crazy. Him. I'm like, whoa. You know, I, I, yeah, I can't and wait I, to see 13, but I was just like, man, I really, people used to ask me all the time, like, what do you think? You know, how do you feel about Walt? You know, isn't he? And I'm like, no, man, I want Walt to win. I, I really want, I, I'm on Walt's big team, Walt. And on this one, I'm like, I really want the two of them to get back together and go off in the sunset. And I don't, <laughs> this time, I don't think that shit's going to happen. Well, <laughs> Ke- Kelly, I, I do, I have, I do have kind of, I mean, we can talk about it now. And I guess it's a little bit of a spoiler, but that the finale is actually just a standalone episode about the veterinarian. And it's Joe, Joe DeRosa. <laughs> it's a back, and it's, it's a backdoor back pilot. For it's Better Caldera, <laughs> Better Caldera, and it's coming in 2028. That is so great. Um, no, I, I, I just, it, it, I mean, uh, and Bob really gets there yeah. with with Carol, and yeah. and I mean, yeah. he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna hurt these people, and and yeah. you know, I know that 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 Saul Goodman is certainly no stranger to being asked to clean up a a, a murder site, or you know, he's 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 his hands are very dirty. Yeah, but he's. There's always been a layer between him and 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 yeah, the dirt. They're not his yeah. hands. They're not his hands. Yeah, and yeah. he's he's gonna do. I I just uh, what was you know how how did you talk about coming to that point with him? Like, did you really do we feel like we needed to get him there, or what was the thought process behind that? Peter, I forget so much what happened in the room, but I think I think part of it was. I mean, it, you know, you don't have to be Sigmund Freud to think this guy. Does this guy want to get caught? I mean, why is right. he going to this house? This poor, the only guy in episode 11, by the way, who was actually in the bar, in this bar, this wonderful bar montage that uh, Tom Schnauz uh, wrote and directed and, and you guys all put together, is uh, the only guy who's actually nice to him. This is the guy that he was, the, the guy with probably pancreatic cancer who's, who's the only guy who's been nice to him. Everyone else has just been an absolute shit heel, you know, <laughs> uh, and, and this is the only guy. And this is the guy who wants to rob. What is? I mean, he's just chaotic. He's just yeah. So Peter, what was in the? It, it would just. I, I I think you 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 nailed it. It's it's he's, and you know he is. It's just like Chris said. He's violating all his rules. You had that that scam that they put together in the previous episode. It's so elegant by yeah. putting you know the tape on the 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 tape on the the lock to to get in and and doing and doing and rehearsing things, it yeah taking the last taking the last check in the book <laughs> so that people won't even know that they've been robbed until much much later till it's too late and now the first thing he does at the end of the last episode is he 
just breaks the glass to get yeah. into the house. Yeah. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. he does seem he does seem reckless. He does yeah. seem and you kind of wonder if maybe this he started down this path when Kim said you should turn turn yourself in, you know, that's maybe that's because yeah. we didn't know last episode we didn't know what caused him to go back to Jeff and Buddy and say let's yeah. let's let's go back again. You know, you could if you want to psychoanalyze him, you say, well, maybe but maybe he did he want to get caught the whole time? Is is why you know why did he go I back he, to Jeff and Buddy? I thought he was he had he kind of got away clean at the end of episode ten. He did. I mean, you he, know, you know, this if he this, had just this definitely quit. started. Yeah, but yeah. but he was he, he didn't have any more money. I mean, that's that whole phone call that was going. He on had enough. Francesca. He had enough, and you know, you did see, he? he's got all his diamonds. He's got all his diamonds. Yeah. A lot of people make. A, a lot of people are able to live. You know, uh, live live as a Cinnabon manager at Cinnabon. They do pretty well. Yeah. Uh, so sure. it's it's um. You know, I think he had, he had he has plenty of it's uh, it's money that's driving him because he's also he's putting it all away in a box or just you know he's yeah. he doesn't give a give a crap about money. So I I think it's a it's yeah. it, look I don't think we should close it up and talk and pull him apart too too clearly on a podcast because I, I it's really for the audience to figure him out. I mean it's yeah. more interesting yeah. it's more interesting to do the work yourself than to have someone hand it to you. But I will say. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just have to say too, that, that, I mean, what a low point Saul has always Saul Jimmy Jean has always had a soft spot in his heart for the oldsters. You know, that was why he was so good. He was so good, you know, in season, season one, when he started taking up, uh, elder law, he always, he always had a soft spot and he couldn't, he couldn't bear when he ruins Irene's life. He can't, he can't bear to leave it alone. And, and he, he ends up ruining himself instead of her. And now here's here's a lady who he, I think, really does like an awful lot. I mean, yeah. I don't think he's who, faking it. And who it. wouldn't? And then yeah, and then like and then he's yeah. ready to. And by the way, you know, you see two comedy titans in that scene uh, playing That's this incredibly dramatic scene. I, I just yeah, think it's. Right. I think it's. Uh, I think this is all some. I, I I tell people every once in a while. I think this this run of episodes is is the best work we've done. Maybe it is the best. It's it's uh, that's. That is a capstone to, uh, I think, uh, a really fantastic episode. And also uh, Vince's last, if you can believe it, Vince's, Vince Gilligan's last episode of Better Call Saul. Uh, so that's, there you go. I tell you, I, uh, and it's the first episode of television I've written all by myself since the finale of Breaking Bad in 2012, 2013. <laughs> that's true. That's true. It's crazy. I wrote El Camino. Uh, I wish I had had a writer's room for El Camino. Although I had, I, I bounced a lot of ideas off of Jen, and Jen definitely made it a lot better. Oh, and actually, you. I bounced a lot of ideas off uh, unofficially off the uh, Better Call Saul writers, and I took great advantage of that. But so uh, as a, a what a way to go out, getting to write and direct for the great Carol Burnett. I am so honored and flattered. To it was such it was uh, talk about that, Jen. What a what a treat it how the you know you guys might have talked about this a little bit already uh, in another podcast but just how much the crew loves oh rightly yes. so loves oh. carol burnett oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, we did just have it in the 610 podcast okay. which All we right. recorded two weeks ago and not two hours ago oh totally <laughs> several weeks ago but, but she's 
she's just such a beacon of light. And this was yeah. a long season. It was our yeah. first COVID season. It was, you know, some of us on this call have been working on this season for two and a half years now, <laughs> nonstop. Yeah. And it's it was brutal, but she she would walk in and light up the room. And she came yeah. with a wonderful team, her chief of yeah. staff, Angie, Angie. And, and Marja and John, you know, her, her, her glamour team. Yeah. And they just lit up the room every time. And, chief and, of staff? Yes. <laughs> I love that. I know. I'm not awesome. chief of staff. I think I need to have a chief of staff. I know. And that's Angie, a great, can, and we, shouldn't can Carol we all be have the that? president? I <laughs> yes. wish. Oh, I would vote for her vote right for now. And I Angie, by the way, this is where it gets confusing. Angie is Carol Burnett's chief of staff. She's a wonderful lady. There's a whole different wonderful Angie. Angie, our our, our, our first uh, first uh, mm-hmm. assistant director, who, who I was blessed to get to work with three times this year. Uh, Angie Meyer, who did... I, a fantastic okay. job first day. man i love angie and she is so much fun she gives me so much shit. she does but, uh, <laughs> man, I, I love her she is so squared away she just makes things happen i will never think again uh be nervous again when a police car pulls up behind me by the way <laughs> that, was, that was great oh that was those guys so good. They were How so great funny. are those guys? Yeah, they're so good. They're so funny marquise and jesse god i love those guys they are they are so damn funny uh, they were so much fun to have on the set. Uh, and that crashed that every, crashed. like from, from the first time I saw the daily to ev- literally every single cut. And I, when we were working together a lot on over zoom um, to, to cut the episode together and we, you know, we were all muted, but I could see you sometimes <laughs> and, 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 and so. you know, the, there's that delay. So like, a second and a half after that crash would happen, I would always see you, Vince, laughing because I was always <laughs> laughing. It makes it still makes me laugh. I it's laugh. so yeah. it's oh so perfect. God. I think I think uh, perhaps through the magic of editing, we, maybe we'll throw to to Werner Handline uh, talking about uh, that taxi crash. Awesome. Can you talk a little bit about that? And I'll just I'll like drop these into the later episodes. Sure thing. Uh, first of all, we did all the snow there. Mm-hmm. So that was all snow business came in and did a wonderful job for us for snow. Um, what, what entailed on that crash was even though it wasn't full speed, it was pretty slow. They wanted to look a little more intense than it was. So what we did, we went in and weakened the rear side of that Land Rover that got hit. And we took a whole bunch of steel out of the front portion of the cab. So when they hit each other, they collapsed each, they, they crashed. So it looked like a, a little more of an intense crash where he's not going to back up and take off anymore. Ah, yeah. And we also had to tie off the Land Rover so that he didn't hit it and push it right out of frame. So that's tied down. And then we had a little bit of a jump ramp because we wanted the cab to hit a little bit higher on the Land Rover. So it right. looked a little more funnier when he opened the door and he fell out. Mm-hmm. And then we had to rig the door to swing open. We had smoke inside. We had a fake airbag inside. Yeah, we had a lot to do with that. And we had him hung up on the uh, seatbelt for a minute. Then we released it on cue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a lot. That was a lot going on there. And wasn't that fun? (laughs) And now we're back. We're back. Yes, that's great. That shot of Pat Healy when he's looking up at the cops is my favorite in the entire episode. I I was in tears. And I know we just had on this podcast. You mean two weeks ago that we had him? Totally. <laughs> did you guys talk? Did you guys talk about me and him working together years ago? No, but please no. Do. What? I, I'll say. I'll say that real quick. I'll say that real quick. Pat Healy, that man. Uh, 
it was it was like old home week when I got to work with him again. He and I, uh, I, I wrote an episode of The Night Stalker, the reboot of Kolchak, The Night Stalker mm. that my friend Frank Spotnitz created for ABC. This was, God, 15, 16, 17, no, like 17 years. It was a long time ago. And Pat Healy played the bad guy, a guy who had the devil living in the back room of his apartment. <laughs> and he was so freaking scary. If you can find... <laughs> If you can find this episode, I think it was called "What's the Frequency, Kolchak," oh. and, it's, uh, <laughs> nice. and it was it was and 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 uh, Colin Buxy directed it. First time I ever got to work with oh, Colin wow. Buxy, the great Colin Buxy. So that was Better working with all uh, alum. It was I tell you, working with Pat again and seeing how funny he could be when all I knew him from was being dramatic. It was very much the feeling I had with Brian Cranston working with him on the X Files, seeing him be really dramatic, and then seeing him be really, really funny on Malcolm in the Middle. It was a, it was a funny kind of uh, analog to that. He's so great. We, we, we should unfortunately probably kind of close it up. But Kelly, do you, do you, do you have any other questions that you were? I have tons of to questions, ask? but not, you know, no, I'm good. <laughs> I have a question, Chris. Yes, Jen, what's I, your question? I feel like we have not properly hyped up the great Diane Mercer because. I, people think that Diane works in post-production, but can I tell you, Diane is the person that Trina and I text the most <laughs> during production oh, yeah. and during oh, prep, but I, my day on set, you know, is it's not even about the work. It's, I just sit there texting Diane, like, is it okay that we're doing this? Here's a, here's a, I'm taking an iPhone photo mm -hmm. of, <laughs> of what the shot we're doing. There's this thing that's going to happen in it. Is this okay? <laughs> like it's, it's, I just see Diane's constant reassurance that we have not ruined the show, you know, every so So I, I'd like to hear Diane talk about how she balances the thousands of alert calls that she gets uh, while still doing her, 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 her normal job prepping the show. I am a, I am a pack rat a digital pack rat is basically the only way to do this um i i never throw out a text or an email mm -hmm. <laughs> and um i am a an a giant list maker i'm a giant list maker so i i have everything it, it actually did get kind of out of control this year this was the worst <laughs> this was definitely the worst of ever and the longest too right yeah, yeah. well and especially yeah. these last four just because i don't know how much you guys talked about on episode 10 podcast but like i'm sure you mentioned that that's probably the most challenging episode of television that any of us have maybe ever done wow. oh yeah we sort of we but we didn't say it like that and but we've been talking about it like that you know internally um just in sure. terms of like the volume and you would of, never know you can't you have, tell it, it's it is it was so yeah. incredibly difficult yeah and it looks effortless you have it's no idea like how much work went into that and i'm not just talking about posts i'm talking about um every single department like that department store being built from scratch which jennifer mm -hmm. i know you must have helped to uh, <laughs> yeah. stock that with clothes you know <laughs> um you know it was an empty Amazing. shell and, yeah it was and so you know and then at almost like virtually every shot in there is a visual effect of some kind you know whether it's a monitor burning in the security room or snow outside or something like that so yeah the 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 volume of uh incoming bombs <laughs> like via text or email for these last four was like nothing i've ever experienced yeah just in terms of this the scope of the story we were trying to tell and the fact that we just made this complete pivot you know i mean obviously we could talk for hours about what happens at the end of episode nine mm. and then 
what happens at the beginning of episode 10. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, you guys are amazing. You, you have so much faith in the audience to fill in everything that happens in between. Um, because it is a huge turn now for Jimmy to get to this point with Carol at yeah. the end of this episode. Mm. And if you haven't watched Breaking Bad, you you there's there's a there's a few things missing <laughs> in that in that transition, you know. Um, but it still works, like so, just because the performances are so so strong and and. Um, but anyway, sorry, I got off on a tangent there. But uh, but yeah, no, I Jen and Trina and I are in constant contact throughout the entire shoot. And then I'm literally just making a list of as the, and if it's something that we have to look at in dailies, we look at it right away. If it's something I have to kind of pin for later to see if we need to fix something, I just, I have a constant, constant making of lists and checking them 200 times yeah. to make sure that we, you know, don't screw it up. You're the last line of defense <laughs> and you're the first yeah. line. Can I just say that, that words cannot express how pivotal Diane Mercer is to not just the show getting done, which is, you know, what you would, but for it being good. And I, there's nobody yes. whose opinion, oh, whose opinion, so the there's nobody whose opinion I value, Absolutely. I value it more. And especially in the, in the scary moments, you know, when you have to make big choices in post, there's Diane is there. And mm -hmm. also, by the way, she's also the one who figures out how long it's going to take us to make the show. Because, because, yes. <laughs> I, because, because certainly Vince and I have no, I mean, I'm, you know, I, I have the, I, I have the foresight of like a goldfish. Uh, so it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's, I really, you know, it's, it's, I, I just, we rely on her to tell us, you know, what do you do this week? And, you know, she schedules it and that's what we, that's what we do. And the more I've done this, the more I've learned just to, whatever Diane tells you to do next, that's what you do. And somehow it'll work yeah. out. But she's, she's, um. She yeah. really, there's she different is, people are responsible. She is extraordinary. Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah. I, I, extraordinary in the world of people who do what you do also, because, uh, as Vince said you. earlier, you're a storyteller and, uh, oh. and that is, that is, that's, that's the truth. That's, it's, a, and I often say filmmaker, which, which really amounts to the same thing. Yeah. No, it's absolutely Thank true. You. You've spoiled us for yes. all other. Well, we're all going <laughs> to make this all, all to say that folks. we're all going to yeah. be fighting over Diane for the rest of our careers. <laughs> oh, no, no yes. kidding. And well, Jennifer speaking, Bryan. That's true. Yeah, oh, yeah. Not yeah. Either. No kidding. My well, God. speaking of storytellers, uh, I'm afraid that our story for this podcast has come to an end and, um, which is very sad. And also this is, uh, this is Vince's last episode. This is also my last episode of better class, yeah. Hour, which, which wow. as we're recording, we haven't mixed yet. So it's still, and I'm already working on another show, but it, it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's over yet because we're of course we still have these podcasts to record and we still have a mix and uh, but I think once yeah once those are yeah I haven't I haven't uh, emotionally we're running towards the cliff and then when we yeah. fall off of it it's gonna be like and like that, we're running toward it but yeah. we don't know it's there and then we're just That's gonna right. fall off it in like three yeah. weeks and be like Hope, what happened yeah. and, <laughs> and hopefully we fall onto like a trampoline or like yes. a really nice like a like a body of water that that doesn't hurt us. But um, but thank you guys so much for taking the time to have this conversation about this episode. I know we're all really proud of this oh, yeah. episode yeah. And, and this this season. And um, and thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, really, it, it, and giving us feedback. Uh, it's it's uh, it's this has been and continues to be kind of a, a wild journey and ride. 
Um, Jennifer Bryant, when when you were on the podcast last, did you? So the way we take out the podcast, yeah, we, we finish it with one of our guests doing their best kind of Bob Odenkirk, like Saul Goodman commercial style, Better Call Saul. Um, did you do that the last time you were on the podcast? No, I don't think I did. Oh, well, would you would you do us the honor? Would you do us the honor to take what? us out? You know what? As a costume designer, I happen to be wearing my Ray Seahorn. Yes. Oh, nice. <laughs> yes. Nice. Finger guns. How's that? Would that work? I'm afraid that won't work. Being an audio gonna, podcast. <laughs> I know. Yeah. This, being on Zoom is confusing. It's yeah. Okay, what can I do? I don't know. Help me out, guys. You just you have just to say, like, better say better call Saul. Just, just say better, better call, call Saul, but, but like, say it as, as close to the way Bob Odenkirk would say it as possible. Yeah. Okay. With a Jamaican accent. Yes. Even better. Even better. Better call Saul. Whoa! Yay! Yay! Wow, that was one of the best ever. <laughs>